Oh, welcome everyone. It's great to be together again um, and we're going through Colossians if you're joining us and it's great to be back if you've been following along. Uh, we're up to about the sixth week now and uh, I'm finding it absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I don't know about you, but just getting back into the scriptures in depth uh, and particularly Colossians and looking at the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ that just oozes out of the book as you go through it. And I want to encourage people to get into this, um, read through it as many times as you can over the time we're going through Colossians, um, just little bits at a time or chapters at a time, uh, because there's so much nourishment from the Spirit as we read through this and focus our attention on Christ. What a fantastic thing that is. So anyway, I hope you find some encouragement as we get into this this morning. Now, it's a, it's a relevant message always, this idea of the supremacy uh, and sufficiency of Christ that come out of this. And in our era today, it's as relevant today as it was for Paul uh, 2,000 years ago to tell the Colossi church and the Lodiceans. Um, because I don't know if you've ever noticed, or you probably have, of course, um, that people are always looking for something, something to fix their problems, something to bring them peace, something to bring them comfort in their life. Um, and for a long time, uh, People look to consumerism as the answer to try and find things to fill that void that's in them, to find peace and comfort uh, and security. Uh, but people have really got to the point now where they've recognised that you won't find it there. Um, it just is uh, elusive. Uh, there was a YouTube clip last year, I remember, there was a whole stack of uh, celebrities, celebrities, celebs, uh, and uh, really rich people who actually put together a clip saying, it's not here, it's not in fact. You won't find the peace you think you're looking for. You know, you'll get to the top of the ladder and you'll look around and it won't be what you thought it was. And so it was really interesting that they put that together during the pandemic um, as a way of saying to people, hey, look for more significant, more meaningful things uh, than fame and fortune uh, and possessions. And it's kind of sparked a whole round of other things uh, that have come to the fore in the last decade or so. And so I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's been some trends like things like the minimalist movement, which is a reaction against consumerism to say, hey, get all the clutter out of your life. Um, get it down to the bare basic things, the things that bring you joy uh, and get simplicity in your life. And if you do that, you'll find some peace. And again, this is about finding answers to life's problems and finding peace and security in the world. Uh, and there's something really attractive about that. I find that really attractive. The the minimalist life. Um, and Marie Kondo, I think her name was, uh, she kind of popularised the whole thing about decluttering and getting everything out of your life that isn't something you value and something you use regularly. And so there's a lot to be commended about it. But again, I, you know, I don't know that you're going to find what you're looking for there. And then people have sparked uh, another movement, uh, which is this whole sustainability and uh, eco-life, getting off-grid, a self-sufficient lifestyle. And again, and trying to answer some of the problems of consumerism uh, and what it's doing to our environment. So people have gone off-grid and they've got their own little farms, growing their own veggies, uh, raising animals and those sort of things. And so there's a whole movement of people trying to find answers in this area. Once again, I don't think you're going to find it there. And other people who don't want to do that sort of stuff, uh, and in the early 20s, or 2000s, 
sorry, the early 2000s, uh, there was a huge move in Buddhism in Australia uh, and people flocked to these Eastern ideas as a way of you don't have to give up your house and you don't have to move away from the city and all that sort of stuff. But you can find inner peace through things like meditation in Buddhism and yoga and stuff like that. And in actual fact, uh, in the early 2000s, now ten, the first decade of the 2000s, I haven't seen the most recent stats, um, but Buddhism grew by 76% uh, in Australia in that period, which is an enormous number. It's still only a very small group overall, but it indicates again that people were looking for these answers. It, it's a perennial problem. But unfortunately, you know, for most of the people, most of the time, they only provide a temporary solution, a temporary fix to finding peace and security in the world. Uh, and so that's why we've got to continually come back to this. And that's why this message is so relevant. The supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ is something we need to take on, something that we need to have in our hearts because we face the same problems that Paul is trying to tackle here in Colossians. So, um, obviously, there's lots of things going on here, but one of them is, uh, again, people are looking for answers to solve their problems and find peace and find peace with God. They, they have a much greater sense of finding peace with God uh, through doing different rituals and uh, giving different sacrifices or libations uh, to the different gods uh, back in that cultural setting. Now, one of the ones that probably is in the background of what's going on here for Paul and the Colossi church uh, is those who have come out of some of the Greco-Roman mystery religions, which I, I spoke about uh, last week. And one of them was the Isis cult, uh, which originated in Egypt, but because of the trade routes and Colossi was actually one of the main towns on the Crete. Uh, trade route, um, it had shifted up there as well. And they've got um, remnants uh, of historical stuff. Uh, the archaeologists have found little bits and pieces. Uh, and the idea here was uh, in the Isis cult that uh, the goddess Isis had power over uh, fertility and agriculture. And so people trying to solve those problems, like today's people try to solve their material problems uh, through consumerism and working and collecting and uh, amassing stuff, um, people turned to the Isis cult or ideas out of that to get Isis or the goddess um, Isis uh, to help them and through fertility and through fertility through their animals and their farming and through the land. And so there was people turning to that. And one of the things about Isis was one of the, part of the myths is she resurrected her husband um, who had been killed. And so people, or some of the scholars are saying that part of what was going on is people were reinterpreting Jesus's resurrection to fit in with this Isis myth. And that was what was drawing um, some of the people away from Christ. And so Paul's trying to deal with that. And again, it's the same thing, that people are turning to someone else or something else because they don't have in their hearts this sense of the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. And so let's have a look at what Paul's actually saying. But I'm telling you all that to kind of keep it in the background uh, to give you understanding and context to what's actually going on here and what Paul's doing. So let's have a look at this. Uh, it's Corinthians, Colossians 2, 1 to 7. So if you've got a Bible there, open it up and have a look at this. It, it's absolutely fantastic. So this is what it says. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the 
full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, who is whom in whom are hidden all the treasures and of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit. And delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus, as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And this is just fantastic what we're seeing here. So essentially you could boil it down to a very simple concept here. Essentially you could boil it down to this, that Paul is telling them, don't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. And in terms of, the say, the ISIS cult, and there were other ones as well, um, but in terms of that, it sounds fine. It sounds like it works. It sounds like it's going to deliver what you think uh, you need, but in the end, it never does. And so he's saying, don't be deceived by these things. But... Continue in Christ just as you have received him. Continue to live in him and continue to be rooted and built up in him and be strengthened in your faith. And so you could say that's a really simple message that Paul's trying to get across here. But when you kind of step back from it and you see, uh, get down into the, the details of this, there's this whole kind of visceral thing that's going on. The whole emotional uh, sense of trying to get people to see this importance of the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. So let's kind of take a look at some of the details and try and get into that space because it's for us today as well. And I'll show you what I mean by that. Let's have a look. So when we get into the details, first one. <laughs> now, don't worry, I'm not going to go through one verse at a time through the whole thing. We could be here for quite a while. Um, but let's start with verse one because there's something really encouraging about this for us and for the church in Colossae and the Lodiceans. It says this, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Lodicea and for those who he hasn't met yet. And so what he's actually saying here and how he's starting it off is coming out of chapter 1 where he said, you know, I am straining towards bringing people to maturity in Christ so that they will know the fullness of Christ and I'm doing everything I can to help people find that and get that because of its importance. And so he's moving on to chapter 2 now where he actually starts, I want you to know how hard I'm contending Ending for you. Now, this uh, the, the English translation doesn't pick up the depth of this, where it's this whole thing of uh, the illustration is about this contending is like he is in a military training, he's undergoing all this hardship for the sake of winning for this group of people so that they can be protected, they can find peace with God. They will be known to be righteous before Christ. And he's doing everything he can to make sure they know that and hang on to that because it's of imminent and eternal value. They've got to hang on to this if they're going to be right with God, which we were talking about last week and uh, the previous weeks. And so there's a sense where he wants to know, I'm giving it everything for you. I'm contending everything for you so that you might know this truth. And he's, well, he's in prison at that stage, but he's also writing these letters. He, he's desperately in prayer uh, before God to make sure that they don't get deceived and get taken away from Christ. Now, that's of great encouragement to us as well. 
because we should know this that as Paul we could we could write ourselves into this all right you could say here Paul wants us to know how hard he's contending for us here at New Peninsula today that you might know this so that you're not drawn away from the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ by whatever random thing turns up today that seems to be the answer to your problems and that you will find this peace that it often never delivers so we need to know that this whole encouragement is for us as well. And that's of great kind of inspiration for us. It's a great inspiration for me, at least. The sense of knowing that God, 2,000 years ago, put this in Paul, gave him the passion and the desire to do all the work in struggling through these theological ideas and getting them down on paper, remembering how hard it was back in Paul's time to get pen and ink and paper and then get it distributed. He's going to all these great lengths and to actually compress all of what he knows down into these ideas for us today. And that's of great encouragement. This is for us today as well, that God wants us to know this and to have this mystery of Christ in us. So that's the first thing we should be encouraged by this and that Paul's trying to encourage the, the uh, Colossi church and the Lodiceans. Now the second thing, uh, in verse 2, he says, why does he want them to know this? Because this is his goal. My goal is that you are encouraged in heart and have unite, a unity in love or united in love. Now again, the English translation doesn't quite pick up the depth of what's going on are here in the Greek and what Paul's trying to convey to them. Now, this idea of being encouraged in heart has a sense, it's a kind of Greek phrase around um, having an advocate in a legal system. Now, Jesus uses a similar thing when he says that uh, the Holy Spirit will be your advocate. He will be with you. He will defend you before Christ, uh, before God uh, in terms of saying that you're in Christ, so then you're blameless before God, um, that the Holy Spirit will do that for you and give you what you need before those uh, who you're going to have to give testimony against. And so there's this same sense here that Paul wants them to be encouraged in heart and united in love, in the sense knowing that he is for them, the Spirit is for them, Christ is for them, he is advocating for them, to be encouraged by that and not to be discouraged by the confusion that was going going um, on in the in the community between you know this person saying this and that person saying that uh, and giving them no you don't need to do this you've got to do this uh, and the confusion and the discouragement that was being brought to the community saying no if we remain in Christ all this effort and energy we're putting here is so that you can be encouraged in heart to know that God is for you uh, and that you will be seen righteous before God uh, because you are in Christ uh, and in doing that, you're united in love because you all have that same spirit that we're all together in this as we go forward in the world and bring the gospel to the world. And so we should be encouraged by that as well today, that if we find this mystery in Christ, if we, we find the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ and it's in our hearts, it's in our lives, then we have that unity of love together. And when we have that, we are much more resilient against any attacks from those from outside. And, and in Paul's day, there were lots of attacks coming from outside trying to destroy the early church. Uh, and the main enemy, of course, being the evil one who wanted to destroy the work of Christ in the church. 
Um, and the same is today. So when we're unified in love, we are far more resilient against the hardship, uh, against the difficulties, against the, the world and the voices that are trying to draw us away from Christ. And so we should be encouraged by that. It's a great start. Um, and then he goes on, why do they need to have all that? Or why is the, what's the end goal of all that? Again, Paul outlines it again in verse 3. Oh, sorry, uh, yeah, in the end of verse 2. It says, so that, and this is a long uh, Greek verse here, where it says, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, which is a really long way of saying that they may know Christ. And, and what Paul's trying to get across here is that they may not, that they might know Christ personally. And again, there's this sense of in your spirit, there's this deep conviction, um, this deep understanding that you know the mysteries of God because you know Christ. So it's not knowing about Christ. It's not knowing about the things Jesus did. It's not knowing about the things Jesus wanted us to do. It's not about living those things out. That's, I mean, they're important things, but it's about deep knowledge, um, this deep personal experience of Christ. And I, I kind of frame it like this. It's about knowing the risen Jesus in your life because that is the transforming point. That's the transformational moment. Because the one thing about Christianity that makes it different from everything else, it's not a religion about following a certain set of rules or doctrines or ideas or ways, um, although some of those things are really important. At the heart of it, Christianity is about knowing Christ personally. It's about following the living Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator and sustainer of the universe. And that is actually transformative when it's in your spirit, when it's part of your life, when it's the thing that kind of governs who you are as a person. It makes all the difference. Now, that story can get told over and over and over a billion times. And when you've, I mean, I've read history um, and seen the transformation of people's lives as they've told their testimonies. And I know in my own life, you know, if it wasn't for that experience I had, that that um, interaction with the risen Christ, then my life would have been destroyed. I would have been dead uh, or in prison by 25 if I hadn't have had that interaction with the risen Christ. And that's what Paul's trying to get across here, that in Christ is where the sufficiency is, the answer to all these questions of life, the answer to solving those deep senses of being at peace uh, with your life and with God and the world. And so that's Paul's concluding point here. So he's saying, so just as you receive Christ, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened and strengthened in your faith, what the way you're taught, and then you will be overflowing with the thankfulness. And that's the result of this idea. This is where you find that sufficiency of contentment and security in life is actually found in Christ. And that's a profound thing. And that's what Paul's trying to get across here. And that's what, for us today, we should be taking this on as well. There are a thousand distractions. There are voices coming from every direction saying, do this, do that, you know, follow these ways and then you'll find peace. Do these things and then you'll find what you're looking for. And they always end up being empty. And they always end up not delivering the promises uh, that they offer at the start. 
And I've seen this again, and I had an experience of this just this week, that if we go back to the end of chapter 1 where Paul's saying, I am giving everything, I'm struggling with everything I have to bring people to maturity in Christ. And this is another way of reframing that again uh, in this first part of chapter 2. Because what, what happens is when we live this life in Christ, when it becomes a habit, it becomes ingrained into who we are as people, we do start to have this overflow of thankfulness become from, because we're coming from this deep sense of peace and security in Christ. Now, I was with some very mature, mature Christians uh, earlier this week. And individually, each one of them, if they told you your life story, they have more than enough reasons to be bitter with God. Their personal experiences of their life um, could easily have led them to be bitter with God and look for answers elsewhere. But instead, they pressed into God in those difficult times and coming out the other side of them, they've come a, a deeper, a closer, a more abundant relationship with Jesus. So as we prayed together and as we spoke, there was this overflowing of thankfulness that was just oozing out of them. And I found it inspiring. I found it this kind of uh, a great example, this encouragement to keep pressing into God, no matter how difficult life might be, no matter what circumstances might come, and to not look for answers elsewhere. You know, Because if I'm p- completely a- honest, and truthful, there are plenty of times when I start thinking, you know, wouldn't it just be nice to just get out of all the rat race, get away from everything and just go live on a farm somewhere near the beach, of course, (laughs) Um, and just surf and just look after a few sheep or something um, and have that kind of very, very simple life away from everything. But you know what? The answer isn't there because I will be there. I will bring myself and all my self-doubts and all my inadequacies and all my inner brokenness will be there with me. It's only when I find that peace in Christ that it doesn't matter where I am and it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, then my life will be overflowing with thankfulness because Christ is there and he is sufficient. And so that is my encouragement to us all this morning, uh, or whenever you're listening to this, um, to actually keep pressing into Christ, to hang on, to not be moved and not be kind of um, tricked or uh, deceived by fine-sounding arguments that you're going to find peace somewhere else. You won't find it there. You're going to find it in Christ. And so can I encourage you with this? Can I implore you to do this? Get into the relationship with God. Know the living Christ. That is the mystery of God. Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you again uh, for the the great riches and nourishment and depth that comes from the scriptures. That through your spirit, you're, you're encouraging us. You're raising us up. You're giving us hope. You're carrying us on and no matter what happens around us. Because Jesus is sufficient. He is all supreme. He is over all powers and authorities. In his death, he nailed all those things to the cross. And we can find life in Christ. And I want to, Father, thank you for that, for the abundant life that comes from that. But I want to pray, Father, that by your spirit, you'll help us all as a community to turn to Jesus, to not be looking for answers elsewhere. Because when we do, we will find what we're looking for and we'll find what you've promised for us, Father, that Jesus is enough. And I thank you for that again in Jesus' name. 
Yeah, take us and lead us, Father. Make us your people that we might be a bright shining light, a beacon of hope in what is really troubling and confusing times. Yeah, Amen. God bless you, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week. I can't wait to see you next week in person or online. God bless you all. Hope you have a great day.